Have you ever seen anybody play the game called soccer? Welcome, everyone, to the Yankee Wankers Football Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Enum, and I'm joined in studio by my resident hooligans and co-host, Mr. Barrett Hartman and Clayton McKinney. Boys, how are we doing this afternoon? Uh, a, a little uh, down today. Got some uh, gray skies and rain and uh, no Euro games today. Yeah, you hate these off days, man. You get so used to it to where there's at least one game every day or two here recently, and then you don't get any on these off days. Kind of sucks, doesn't it, Clayton? Absolutely. I'm just glad to have some alcohol in my system now. Alcohol is in his system, starting to flow, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get Clayton good and lubed up here towards the end of the pod, and maybe he'll make some stupid picks. So we'll get him to make some bets <laughs> on the air and see what happens. But, uh, but boys, before we get into all the hot Euro talk, we're down to the final eight, right? So down to the quarterfinals. 24 have been reduced to eight, so we, we got that to talk about. We're going to preview the quarters, look back at some of the knockout uh, round games, obviously big upsets involved in that one and um, and maybe even make some future picks for the semis and finals itself now that we're down to the final eight but of course before we get into all of that we've got to show some love to our sponsor and of course that is chalk sports bar Everybody knows about Chalk Ride 1324 West Memorial Road there in Chisholm Creek Plaza. You can follow Ben, Chad, and the entire Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. And it feels weird to say it, but there's still, what, 10 days left to get into the contest, guys. Our big green Euro contest, right, Barrett? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I got that big green egg from our friends over at uh, Chihuahua Beer. Uh, Be giving that thing away. Uh, What we're Drawing during the final, right? Drawing during halftime of the final, live at Chalk on Sunday, July 11th. We'll make the drawing out of the hopper, the famous hopper that uh, Ben and the staff have there for the Big Table Start. We'll have the big green egg out there. The display will be there. You'll be able to see it, touch it, right? We're not just blowing smoke, right? So, I mean, a good pun well, there maybe from yeah. a, a smoker. And, and, but, yeah, until that egg gets it, fired Yeah, up. it actually does exist, right? We're not, we're, not, we're not shitting you here. We have secured a big green egg grill to give away, courtesy of our friends at Chihuahua Beer, as Barrett said. But, uh, Clayton, you know, lots of ways that our listeners and patrons of Chalk can get involved, right? So you can go to Chalk. Right, fill out some of the uh, uh, the the application. No, applications is not the right word, but the the, the tickets slips. there. Yeah, the entry slips, right? Yeah. yeah, entry slips there, and we'll throw it into the hopper. But uh, you can follow us out on Twitter or Instagram. You can tweet a pic of you enjoying a fine Chihuahua cerveza at Chalk. They get you three entries, right? So yeah. lots of ways to get involved, and it's not too late, right? Still have ten days left. Yeah, get them in, get them early. Hopefully, you can win this thing. Yeah, I think we're up over 150 entries at this point. So that, that's a lot of names in the hopper, don't get me wrong, but there's ways to maximize, right? So we can each each person can essentially get in what I think we counted six, something like yeah. that, entries, right? So yep. if you if you follow uh, us on Twitter, if you tweet a pic of you enjoying a fine Chihuahua Cerveza at Chalk, or, or if you listen and subscribe and follow to the podcast, right? So maximize your way to get entries into the Big Green Euro contest giveaway. Again, we'll be giving it away uh, on Sunday, July 11th there at Chalk Live at halftime of the Euro 2020 final. Always the favorite, that is Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, boys, we're down to the final eight, but before we get into the Euro, I think there's been some news across the football world in general that we want to touch on. Uh, Barry, I want to start with you because we, we swapped some funny text messages about this earlier in the week. Rafa Benitez, right, former manager of Liverpool, has been announced as the new manager of of crosstown rival Everton, really cross-street rival almost, right? So uh, your thoughts on this as a Liverpool FC fan? You know, there were heights there that uh, the Reds reached under Rafa Benitez's guys there, or guiding uh, principles, but, you know, couldn't ever really get over the hump from an EPL standpoint, but he he has kind of a sordid history maybe uh, as the Liverpool manager, right? I don't know that it's sordid. Um, I mean... You know, just underachieving, maybe. Okay, uh, that's fair way was to put a, it. Yeah. I mean, contra- I don't Expectations recall. Expectations were high. Yeah. Controversy or anything, so I wouldn't call it sorted. He had, but some, had some good post-match rants. Oh, yeah. Time. There's yeah. good stuff there, yeah. Yeah, his, his uh, points and pulling out the paper and, yeah, uh, yeah pretty much uh, going after uh, your boy, uh, Sir Alex, but... Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I think my response on the text was, it's Everton, who cares, right? <laughs> that's right. Um, but, I mean, for from a Liverpool fan perspective... Um, Rafa Benitez is kind of, he, he's kind of like that 
you know, ex-girlfriend that was, you know, maybe uh, above average looking, but, you know, kind of, kind of crazy, if you know what I mean, kind of, you know, good for anything. I definitely know what you mean. And, uh, and you, you know, know, I know, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, the guy, I mean, even what, 10 years later, uh, he, he still has a home in Liverpool. He has a dog named red. Um, so, I mean, he's just kind of, he's always there, you know, you always know you can call him and he'll, he'll be, you know, picking up on the first ring. So, you know, Everton called him. It's kind of the next best thing. He gets to stay in town. Uh, you know, maybe probably won't name his next dog red as yeah, well. Pro- but. Probably not. And that, that's something you, you said, you know, who cares, right? So uh, it seems like the Everton fans have cared a little bit, right? You know, ugly stories in the news about him maybe getting death threats or, or you know, hey, we know where you live. Don't take the job. Uh, some some crazy stuff there. Now, whether that was Everton fans or Liverpool fans, who knows, right? I, yeah. I think it was uh, the 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 media made it out to be Everton fans. But, yeah, some people do care about it, but uh, kind of wild there. But you mentioned, yeah, kind of a – Steady Betty, right? So yeah. is what we'll call Rafa. He's always there whenever he picks up the phone. Uh, Clayton, you know, I'll, I'll throw it to you, you know, from a managerial uh, a comparison standpoint. I mean, we, we could have never imagined Sir Alex crossing uh, to the blue half of Manchester to, to manage City, right? Now, obviously not to the same extent here, right? No, but no, no. but it's going to be awkward probably for Everton fans unless he starts winning, right? If he wins, everything will be forgiven, right? I think so. I mean... You should have, I mean, how they finished in the table this year. I mean, they couldn't get any. Yeah, it wasn't they good. Could get, they it could wasn't be better. Good. Started off good. Could, yeah, started, started off great, off great. right? Great. So, yeah. Um, but it could be better, and hopefully that's the guy that can bring him forward and beat uh, the Reds, <laughs> the Crosstown rivals. But, no, it'd be, it, it would it would definitely be worth a conversation to have if Sir Alex Ferguson went over to a city. That would be interesting, just given the history of how long he's been at the club, how many trophies he's won. Um, it would be it would be a fun little uh, outing, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, strange bedfellows indeed. But uh, let, let's stay on Manchester United, Clayton. So news, it seems to have finally been confirmed, the, uh, the long-awaited arrival in the soap opera and drama that has been Manchester United's courtship of young Jaden Sancho of Borussia Dortmund. Seems like a deal has been agreed to uh, now that's just papering it up and uh, obviously getting Sancho to pass a medical at this point. But uh, uh, everyone's kind of let the cat out of the bag. It's going to happen. But, you know, we were talking about it through text earlier this week whenever the news seemed imminent. I mean, he's not even starting for the English side at the no. Euros right now. So it's kind of a kind of a weird moment right now. It's like, hey, we should be super excited about this, but it's a year later, almost two years later, and he's not even playing good enough to start over Arsenal's Saka, right, on the right wing there. So how do you feel about this? Is it is it going to be something that obviously benefits United? Is it going to cure a lot of L's that United has suffered over the last couple of seasons? I, I'm not too sure about that. I mean, it, it might bring up uh, Mason Greenwood's game. I mean, I know they'll be competing on that right-hand side for kind of the same position, that kind of that right wing out, outside, but... I mean, his his club performance is there. Um, you know, he's been good his, for Dortmund. Yeah, yeah. His relationship with Gareth Southgate may not be the best. That's probably why he's on the bench. I'm not quite sure. I mean, you have Marcus Rashford on the bench too. You had Jack Grealish coming off the bench. Um, I mean, but you know, throughout the throughout the course of the year, I think with Kyle Saka, you know, was kind of the guy that was you know more consistent going forward than for Jaden yep. Sancho, but. Um, no, I think it'll be interesting. Um, he'll be back home at least as far as on the home the home soil. Um, and I believe he was a city player at one point. Was he in the he was academy? in City's youth academy. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, he's back home to an extent. Uh, maybe that might free him up to do more things as far as you know being able to relax and probably not have as many responsibilities at United than he did at Borussia Dortmund. But no, I think it, it's good for at least some competition with uh, Mason Greenwood. Yeah, and from a balance standpoint, it seems like United has been lacking on that right wing for, for quite some time now. They haven't been able you, – you mentioned Greenwood, right? So not not a traditional right winger, right? No. So he, he's a he's a striker, uh, and I think that's what – you know, maybe it'll free him up to move into that role. But, you know, from a – non-United fan perspective, Barrett, you know, I'll ask you, is this something that's like, oh, shit, they went out and signed somebody pretty good that might make a difference at this point, or is it, eh, not, not that uh, not that excited about it? I, I'm really not that excited about it. Um, of course you're not. <laughs> I mean, look, from from my standpoint, I'm, I'm looking at it like, yeah, you know, 100 million pounds, whatever it ended up being, uh, 
I guess is 80, it 73 90? million yeah. pounds. I think it was hundred million front. dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just over a hundred million us equivalent. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they, they spent a lot of money on him, so that's less money to splash elsewhere. Um, you know, he didn't have the best year at Dortmund. I think he, you know, the second half was better than the first half. I'll give him that. Yeah, I think he had hamstring issues yeah. during yeah. the first half, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but I'm not nearly as worried about it as I, as I was when it looked like it was going to happen a year ago. And you mentioned he's not even starting for England. Well, he's not even playing. He, he has six minutes through four games. Yeah, one yeah. one late substitution um, appearance. So, yeah. you know, Bukayo Sako, uh, Phil Foden, um, those guys start, you know, getting the minutes ahead of him. Um, you know, Foden, I understand. I get, right? I mean, he's, he's a superstar, but... Man, Saka uh, over Sancho—that's that's kind of surprising. So, I, I've got some concerns about his ability to come in and and you know perform at a high level. Also, I don't know what his wages are, and I'm kind of hopeful that maybe you know the wages are really high and it's going to kind of upset the locker room maybe and and get some other guys jealous and clamoring for more. So, I, you know, like like any change that United makes, I hope it really screws everything up. Yeah, I mean, it has that potential, right? So, uh, but uh, now I, I think the wages were somewhere in the 150,000 pounds a week, and they might bump him up to close to 200,000 pounds a week, I think. So, which from a United standpoint would probably put him in the bottom half. There's <laughs> a bunch of guys waking, way, making way more than that yeah. that don't deserve it right now, for sure. But uh, yeah, I think he'll be on par with some of the other uh, big egos in that I, locker room, for sure. I, I saw an article now that they've got Sancho tied down. They have to redo bruno's contract uh because it was like too close in wages oh or probably something. so yeah bruno, bruno probably deserves more money no, he's absolutely. one of them that i don't know yeah, what we're yeah, paying yeah. him but uh, it probably should be more yeah. so yeah. yeah he should be closer to 400 if i had to guess because i know and, a and couple of those guys are making close to 400 and now. another guy who was disappointing during the euros yes he was yeah, yeah he yeah. did not play yeah. well yeah. uh for portugal at all it was, it was a big scapegoat right i think the media kind of uh, the portuguese oh, yeah. media for sure definitely uh, gave him a go as to hey how can you be so good and so dynamic for united essentially all they had from a creative standpoint and yeah. then you know, not show up now. A lot of you know, theories about uh, yeah, hey, yeah, Cristiano fatigue, Ronaldo uh, is probably you know you have to kind of cater to him on that right, Portuguese sure. side. So that, I'm sure that played a part. But uh, yeah, he he did not perform well at the Euros. That is 100 uh, percent accurate. Now I want to go back to managerial talk, boys. Before we get to Euros, we talked about it. Uh, it we've we've talked about it a couple times on the pod in recent weeks. We were shocked initially. Whenever NES, right, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo resigned at Wolves. Now, Wolves did not have a great year, and so maybe it's like, well, that had something to do with it. But the news has come out yesterday and earlier today. We're recording this here on Thursday, July 1st. Seems like NES may be the man at Spurs, right? So maybe the yeah. next manager of Tottenham Hotspur. Seems like he may be their sixth or seventh choice, though, Bear. <laughs> so how, how do you spin this? If you're Daniel Levy in the Spurs management to get your fan base excited, if it is true and NES becomes the next manager, good manager, yeah. uh, but not exactly the splash that they were probably hoping to make, right? The, the only way you spin this and make everyone buy in is if you get Harry Kane to commit to stay. Um, and, and that's regardless of who the manager is. No, no knock on NES. I mean, he, he did great things at Wolves. Don't, um, And I, I think he's still a great manager, but it's all about Harry Kane and whether he stays or not. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Clayton, your thoughts on that? Is this, Will this be enough? If you're Harry Kane, do you look at this and say, all right, I'm going to stick around? Or is it like, hey, what, what's what's going on here, boys? Well, I would so, also, I mean, look at, you know, if, if they're going to bring anyone else in. I know we all know that Levy's kind of a penny pincher, but – I would also say, like, who are you going to build around me? I mean, there's not much talent outside of Son to kind of keep him there. Uh, Gareth Bale kind of passes prime a little bit. Uh, I mean, you had some stars in the midfield, but they're kind of aging out as well. Um, now, I think Kane is gone regardless of who the coach is. That's just my opinion. I think he goes to City and starts winning trophies, so... And that's what he wants to do. Yeah, it seems like uh, City have – the rumors have been that they've offered somewhere close to 140 million pounds uh, to lure um, Harry Kane away from Spurs there, which that, that's a lot of money, especially in a post-pandemic uh, uh, fiscal year, right? So that, that money could be used uh, for a lot of different other things there at Spurs. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. See if that's enough to call. Levy's bluff, uh, he's uh, sent, essentially – Said he's you know, not selling for anything less than 150 million pounds, but uh, 138, 140 million. That's be be enough to test my resolve for sure. So uh, we'll see how that plays out here over the next week or two. So well, well, boys, we've danced around it. Let's get to the quarterfinals, right? We we mentioned it. We're down to the last eight, and let's do a brief recap of the eight teams remaining and when they play, and then we'll bounce back 
to earlier in the week as to how they got here. But we're going to kick off tomorrow at 11 a.m. Oklahoma time, right? So Switzerland versus Spain. That'll be in St. Petersburg. And then the later match on Friday, probably the biggie of the weekend from a quarterfinal standpoint, Belgium versus Italy at 2 o'clock Oklahoma time. So that's going to be a big one there. We move on to Saturday, July 3rd. We've got the Czech Republic against Denmark at the 11 a.m. kickoff. Again, Denmark kind of the, the darling, right? So obviously we talked about it last week on the pod about what happened to Christian Eriksen there, and so everyone's kind of rallying behind them. That'll be in Baku, uh, so way out east there in Azerbaijan. Uh, and then the late one, and probably a biggie from our perspective at least, uh, Ukraine versus England in Rome at 2 p.m. Oklahoma time. So but let's... They're, they're, they're going to make England play outside of Wembley? Yeah, what? just this one time. Well, this just weird. this one time. That's so not, if they That's can, not fair. They can get past <laughs> this one. Uh, this uh, this The rest of them will be at Wembley. So, uh, But uh, let's. I, we have to start with Switzerland versus Spain, and obviously we have to start with the Swiss and that giant upset over the reigning world champion France that took place on Monday, 3-3 as it ends uh, in, in uh, uh, extra time, and then they go to penalties, Switzerland knocks in all five, and then it comes down to Kylian Mbappe, the super-duper star for PSG and for the French side, has his pin saved. 5-4 on pins, the Swiss advance. But, Barrett, I'll start with you. It seemed as if France had this thing won in, what, about the 80, what, 10 minutes to go, right? Yep. They're up 3-1 and then just piss it away, right? Yeah, I think the goals came in, like, the 81st and, like, the 90 second minute or something like that. So, yeah, they absolutely pissed it away, and... uh Man, what an exciting, uh, you know, penalty shootout there. Um, just nobody missing. There were a bunch of great penalties, too. Going top corner and just squeezing them in. Ballsy penalties, yeah. yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these were not, hey, I'm going to get the keeper to dive and just roll it down the middle. These were, man, I'm going just inside the post and hammering the shit out of it, and, and they were hitting them pure, except for that last guy, Mbappe. Yeah, yeah, and again, crazy that so often we see it fall upon the shoulders of a world superstar. We think about, you know, Leo Messi. We think about... Uh, uh, um, oh, uh, crap, crap, his name escapes me now. Neymar, right? So the, yep. he's missed yep. penalties in the past. Uh, you don't think about Ronaldo missing so many. I mean, he missed a big one in the Champions League final for United in 2008 against Chelsea, although that one didn't come back to haunt him there. But, um, you know, so often we see these big-name guys, but you think about Roberto Baggio back in the uh, Italy days, right? So, um, but um, just wild, wild scenes, Clayton, in this one. Again, just an absolute shocking result. And, you know, there was talk after the match that, it was not only wild on the pitch, but in the stands as well. So that infighting amongst the family of some of the French players, I don't know if you saw this, but it was absolutely wild. I mean, just France seems to be a team that's full of big egos, and that perhaps is what led to the downfall, right? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it, it could. I mean, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think they just fell asleep for 10 minutes. They had the game won. And, and at the same time, I mean, we saw France finally hit, like, their stride. Um, you know, I think they did concede first. But after that, it was all France. Yeah, uh, 20, 20, the first goal. 20 minutes of the exactly. second half was incredible. Yeah, yeah. after after and, the yeah, penalty, yeah. Yeah, they stepped it up. I mean, they absolutely did. Um, however, it's just they fell asleep. Ten minutes. Ten minutes ago, they just fell asleep. That's as simple as that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about this game. It should have been France moving on. But... No, I mean you got to give credit to Switzerland for at least hanging in there, and then obviously winning it in PKs. But no, I mean the infighting. Eh, I mean it could have a factor into it, but it's not how they were. It, it's I don't think it would have affected that last ten minutes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, see, it was the the stories was is that was the family of uh, Adrian Rabio, yep. uh, Kylian Mbappe, and then the Pogba family. Shocker there, yeah, right? So right. they, they <laughs> tend to insert themselves into a lot of stories uh, for Paul Pogba's sake, uh, whether he wants it or not. But you know, Pogba he, he played great in the match, right? Had yeah. an ab- scored yeah, an absolute wonder goal, but freaking yeah. rocket. I, th- yeah. I think he was probably responsible for the the giveaway for it was either Sw- the Swiss's second goal or the third goal that ended up tying it yeah, up. So yeah. he he was. Was uh, pre- perhaps uh, you know palpable or, or culpable there, I should say, uh, for one of the uh, the Swiss goals that kind of tied it up. But uh, and, and it seems like the uh, the Rabio family's complaint with uh, Mbappe and Pogba was basically, uh, you know, your your boys are too big for their britches. They're playing for themselves, not for the team, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, you know, maybe it's been kinda, a common kinda, complaint. Kind of kind of hard yeah. to argue that. Yeah. I mean, with the you know flashiness and flair and 
kind of me first attitude at least you get from Pogba I don't see it as much from Mbappe but again I don't watch as much League One either yeah no that's fair that's fair but no that that is a that's not a new complaint against those two players in particular so uh, might be something to it but yeah you know you look back at you know now the managerial decisions perhaps that uh, that Didier Deschamps had made and you know went somewhat conservative right so kind of had you know three five at the back right so had uh, Rebio playing out of position at that left wing back but obviously they had injuries there with uh, Luca Digne and some other guys being out and so kind of a makeshift side of it there but perhaps they were a little too conservative after they fall behind and then after you know they almost fall behind 2-0 early in the second half oh. they flip a switch and it's like well yeah, yeah like, shit that's shit. the France yeah, team we've exactly. been waiting on there and and then again just un- unravel as as you guys had mentioned there in the last 10 minutes and uh, you know a swiss side that is known for playing, you know, hard-nosed, defensive, very organized, very structured at the back. And so maybe after they got that early go from Seferich, it's like, all right, well, they're going to park the bus and they're going to be hard to break down. But then once they fell behind 3-1, I thought, there's no freaking way that Switzerland are going to score three goals against France. And I'll be damned they did it and, yep. uh, and did it in quick fashion and then, you know, held on and uh, uh, were, uh, were the better side from a PK standpoint for sure. So, yeah, just a shocking, shocking result there. But maybe, you know, whenever you look at everything now from a 2020 standpoint, um, maybe it should have been that shocking, right? So France didn't look super great in that Group F, right? And, again, yeah. there was tough competition there, but – they, they slept walk against Hungary as well. And so uh, maybe in hindsight, we shouldn't have been so shocked that they made an early exit, but uh, maybe maybe not this early, right? So it's from a uh, uh, expectation standpoint. But uh, yeah, surprising there. But, uh, you know, Switzerland, we have to talk about their opponent, and that is the uh, the Spanish side. Uh, Monday was an absolute just insane day in the Euros, right? So you have this crazy upset, 3-3, and then 5-4 on pins of, for Switzerland and France. Spain... In Croatia, go to extra time, tied 3-3 as well. But Spain puts two goals past the Croatians in the extra time to, to win this one, 5-3. I mean, you had, what, uh, six or 14 goals scored uh, on Monday. An absolute uh, crazy day. But uh, Spain seems to be figuring some shit out now at the right time, right, Barrett? Yeah, and, and not just uh, 15 goals. 15 goals and nine PKs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nine That's out of wild. ten. So, no, I mean, Spain, man, they look really, really good. Um, offensively, at least, they finally got it going. Um, you know, you don't like – again, this is another game where it was 3-1 with a favorite, you know, with 10 minutes to play, and they just, you know, utterly collapse and let the game go to extra time. So, um, you know, I – I was a fan of Croatia. I thought they were going to make this one interesting and maybe, you know, have kind of that puncher's chance to win it. And, you know, they took it to the 120 minutes, uh, but they ultimately ran out of steam there in extra time and uh, conceded twice uh, to uh, uh, Murata, who's been kind of a, a scapegoat for the uh, Spanish yes. yep. uh, fans and media there, kind of getting hammered. But uh, I, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed to see that, so I hated to see him score. I, I like as much carnage as I as I can see, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, he has been a, a a big target there up top playing for Spain just because he he hasn't been very prolific, right? So he gets a lot of chances. That Spain side create a ton of chances, uh, but has not been very clinical. But he's got two now uh, in the tournament, so maybe um, that will uh, satiate that uh, that that Spanish uh, side there. But you know, uh, Clayton, I'll go to you here. This one it was going to be known for before all the goes in the second half. Perhaps one of the 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 craziest ugliest own goals ever right the opening goal here a back pass from uh, from Pedre to the uh, Spanish goalkeeper uh Una and uh, man just completely whiffs on it and so I mean unfortunately Petri gets uh he gets slated with the own goal because I guess the keeper maybe didn't get a touch on it right. when it was coming back but just a relatively simple back pass that uh, uh that <laughs> that Unai just completely whiffs on but you just you don't you're not used to seeing that on this stage right well, I mean to be fair it was hit with some pace back it, it, to was, him, it was it was he was uh, what he was doing. He took his eye off the ball, just look up the field, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah, <laughs> complete brain yeah, fart. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, just complete uh, brain fart. Looking up the field, I, I understand that, but you got to control the ball for, especially when it's hurling towards your goal. But no, that was that was pretty funny. It was pretty interesting to see that. 
Yeah, now that uh, and again, one of the you know, worst goals you probably ever see. Yeah, all all's well that ends well, I guess. As uh, he's uh, uh, not a scapegoat there, as, uh, as Spain bounce uh, bounce back in extra time and again end up winning this one comfortably, I guess. Uh, whenever you get to the final score line there at five uh, three, but yeah, the Spanish side um, have bumped up the odds standpoint from a, from a favorite uh, quite a bit now. So they are the second favorite behind England now. And we'll get into all the odds here in a moment, but you know, you look at that side of the bracket that they're on, which I think we all agreed was the tough side of the bracket. And the expectation is that it was going to be tougher, is that it was going to be Spain versus France, and obviously uh, France now out of it, and uh, so maybe they have an easier path to the semis. But, you know, we'll talk about who they're who they're probably going to meet or, you know, which team they're going to meet on the other side of the semis, and that's going to be the winner between Belgium in Italy. And so um, let's start with what? Let's start with the Italian match first, guys, as to how Italy got here. Uh, they'd been so dominant in the group stage, right? Won every game, hadn't given up a goal. Um, the stats have just been off the charts. And they were tested in this one against Austria, right? So this was not a gimme for sure. Now they end up winning it 2 1, but uh, all the goals come in extra time, right? So it ends nil nil at regulation. And then it turns into a goal fiesta for the last 30 minutes. But Italy holds on. 2-1 over Austria. Your thoughts on this one, Barrett? I, I just really hate watching Italy play. Um, you know, <laughs> look, what we all everyone makes fun of soccer players and, you know, how they go down easily and flop around and pretend like they've been shot by a sniper if somebody sneezes on them. Um, but, man, Italy's just the worst. Um, and, and I got to thinking, you know, you don't see a lot of Italian players in other leagues being that successful, right? There's not a ton of them in the Premier League, La Liga, uh, you know, league one, uh, et cetera. So I, I pulled Italy's roster, uh, against Austria, you know, obviously starting 11 guys, they used all five subs. So 16 players, 14 of the 16 guys that played play in Syria. Yeah. I believe that the, yeah. the only two that don't are Jorginho at Chelsea and, um, uh, the midfielder at PSG, uh, Verratti. Um, for, um, Marotta, no, so, you know, they, they, they just, they have that mentality, in my opinion, of just being soft. And I think that's going to hurt them. Uh, you know, the, the, they struggled against Austria, and now they've got to go up and start playing real, you know, real games, and it's, it's going to come back and bite them. Yeah, yeah the, the talk about them in the group stages, Clayton, and maybe even coming into the term, is that Roberto Mancini's had them, they're playing this more sexy, attractive football, right? Not the normal, you know, pragmatic, defensive, rigid Italian style that we're used to, in which it looked that way through the first two matches, right? As they win both of them 3-0, they dominate from a statistical standpoint, and then they get to the knockout, and it kind of reverts back to what we're used to, right? It's like the butthole puckers up, hey, we got a chance that we might lose this thing, and it ends in regulation, nil. Now, again, they, they get the two goals yeah. in, in extra time, uh, but uh, maybe a little bit of reverting back to what they're used to in the knockout stage, right? Well, I mean, you got to give credit to Austria, too. I mean, they, they did. They, they, did, they, they, made, they yeah. made a game out of it, that's for sure. Yep. I mean, the, the offside goal just narrowly offside. I was going crazy narrowly, because yes. I had money on this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, yeah, you're right. They kind of did retreat a little bit as far as kind of how they – performed and their attacking style just wasn't there. I mean, also you got to give credit to Austria for kind of, kind of ugling that up for him too. But yeah, like you said, Barry, I mean, it is pretty damn difficult to watch Italy. Just the flopping around is just absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, I hope they start handing out yellow cards. I hope they start being more strict on that. And then obviously the, the Serie A needs to start doing the same thing too. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. They're, uh, they they take it to an extreme. And again, they, they're kind of the uh, poster child, if you will, for why a lot of Americans in particular don't like watching soccer. As you mentioned, Barrett, it's like, well, you get these guys flopping around, acting like they've been shot. And then, you know, five seconds later, they're up sprinting to the mm -hmm. other end of the pitch. And yeah, Italy uh, has a lot of guys that do that, unfortunately. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see uh, what happens uh, whenever they take on, right now, I mean, it's the world number one from a FIFA ranking standpoint, uh, the Belgian side that uh, got past Portugal 1-0. Again, kind of a, a cagey affair in an affair that Portugal arguably was the better side in, but uh, the only thing that separates the two is a uh, Thorin Hazard absolute wonder goal uh, coming in at the uh, kind of on the left wing back position that he plays. Just, you know, hammers one in, kind of slices across it uh, away from the keeper up into the top right corner there right before half. And that was enough. Belgian kind of packed it in and was able to hold on. But, you know, this Belgian side, 
They were old at the back to start with, Barrett, and now they're starting to lose some of their key players to injury, right? We don't know if Eden Hazard's going to play in this one. We don't know if Kevin De Bruyne is yeah, going to play in yeah. this one. I mean, it's, you know, Italy's a favorite right now, and we'll talk about it again here in a moment, but uh, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that Italy is a favorite given, given some of the injuries that Belgium now has. Yeah, I, I mean, Belgium's, I mean, they came into this thing nicked up, right? Um, with uh, Kevin De Bruyne specifically, uh, with the, uh, what, orbital bone fracture. Mm-hmm. Um, Missed so, the first group stage game, yep. Yeah, so, I don't know. I, I Just, Belgium just has so much talent, and I think so little of Italy. Um, probably just because I don't like them, and I'm, I'm, I'll be pulling for Belgium, like, hardcore on this one. So, uh, definitely a skewed perspective here. But you, you mentioned that, you know, Portugal might have been the better side. Let me throw some stats. Uh, Portugal, 56% possession. Uh, shots, 24 for Portugal, 6 for Belgium. Shots on target, 5 for Portugal. Just the one, Torgan Hazard, on target for Belgium. So yep. Portugal had numerous great chances coming down the stretch to, for the equalizer. Uh, they hit the post once. Uh, they had another one. Um, I, I, I want to say that uh, uh, the keeper... It was uh, a stinger, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. just a rocket right at him. Oh, it was a, a Ruben Diaz... Uh, yeah, yeah, Courtois, yeah, saved uh, it, yep. yep. So uh, just, you know, uh, the best team doesn't always win. I mean, I think Belgium are the better team, but they didn't have the better performance. Yeah, yeah I think it's a fair exactly. way to put it. So uh, Clayton, you know, obviously saw the frustration from Cristiano Ronaldo at the end, you know, kind of ripping off the uh, the captain's armband, if you will. And, you know, he knows that he's getting towards the end of his international career. Now he probably get you know, one more run in him at a World Cup next year, if I had to guess, but that'll probably be it for him. But yeah, you look at that Portuguese side, and again, you know, crazy that the, they were all drawn together in that Group F, and again, no, no, the, none of the Group F teams are left in it now. Yeah. Uh, but um, I mean, they they were probably the better side, and probably will look back on this one and kind of be kicking themselves, right? Yeah, they have to be. I mean, given that they did dominate the game, I mean, they just didn't have enough creativity at some of the right times. I think. In this one, um, yeah, I mean, they were a bit unfortunate to have some off the post or have some really good shots saved, but at the same time, it, they didn't look that creative going forward from, you know, a midfield perspective, and that was, you know, some of that was on Bruno as well. I mean, you got to kind of think about the um, some of the impact that he had for United, and it just didn't show over in, into the Euros yeah. at all. Yeah. I think. To be honest, I think it was probably just fatigue. I mean, he played, I think he started, what, almost, I think he's played the most games um, in, in a European club in this past season. Yeah, I think him and Harry Maguire until yeah. Maguire got hurt towards yeah, the end of the insane. season. Yeah, insane. So, I mean, there's a, probably a little bit of fatigue there. I mean, they've been playing for a year straight if you consider, you know, the EPL being pushed back until, uh, what, what was that, to July September, or yeah. Well, yeah, the fin- they yeah, finished, yeah, the finish, yeah, yeah, in the early, finish, early July. And yeah, then came early back July and then early September. So yeah. basically about a year's worth of football just without a break. So, I mean, that's going to catch up to you. I mean, there's probably no excuse to it, but at the same time, he's he's been playing all the games. Yeah, no, you're right. And again, we, we a lot of media were talking about that as well. And again, Bruno did not show well in the no. Euros at all. But you know, maybe his the the, the creative side of his game and uh, his usage probably dampened a little bit by the fact that uh, Ronaldo so much goes through True. him on True. that Portuguese side. And and will continue, you know, until he does uh, finally hang up the boots there. But uh, uh, yeah, they had you know, the Ronaldo Sanchez kid, right? So I think yeah. it was a big deal at the last World Cup, and then kind of made a big money move to Bayern or whoever it was, and kind of fell through the cracks. And then man, he come back and played really, really well for the Portuguese as well uh, during the, the last couple of matches of this tournament. So um, I think he's been playing in the French League, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if it was Ren or Lille. He might have been with Lille. I think that uh, they may have won that uh, that title uh, in Ligue 1 uh, this year, but I think he was not a part of that side. But, yeah, he, he kind of raised his value again for sure, but uh, he really showed out and played well. But, um, but let's stay with that Sunday knockout game, boys. And, again, probably we talked about the Swiss giant upset over France. This one, an upset as well, maybe not quite to the same degree, but Czech Republic 2, the Netherlands nil. Again, the Netherlands, another side, kind of like Italy, that had looked so good in the group stage and looked so fluid and, uh, and really had kind of dominated their, their group competitors. They come up against a side that they're a decided favorite against and really just kind of come up flat, right? Uh, Czech Republic wins this one, and it wasn't a fluke, right? There was nothing fluky about this. The Czechs were the better side, weren't they, Barrett? Yeah, they were, but, I mean, playing against 10 men for the bulk of the second half certainly helps. (laughs) Uh, um, You know, yeah, the Dutch did look good in the group stages, but let's be honest, they had a pretty easy group. It was. Um, And, you know, going into it, 
they weren't among the favorites. I don't think any of us thought they were going to make a deep run, right? I mean, just they're kind of one of those uh, teams that are kind of in a in a turnover, kind of a changing of the guard. Plus, their their best defender is out, uh, not playing. Sure. Um, and then on, on top of that, you got your next best central defender is the one that gets the red card and gets sent off. So, um, you know, the 2-0, both goals coming after the red card. Um, you know, and, and the Netherlands don't put a shot on target. Um, they, they were full strength for 52 minutes and don't get one shot on target. So uh, they just don't have a lot going forward right now other than Jeannie Wijnaldum, uh, who had a great group stage. Uh, but was kind of absent in this one. Yeah, yeah. You think about that that firepower that they have. Memphis Depay, Jeannie Wijnaldum. You'd mentioned, and their their wing backs have been so good too. The Dumfries kid on the right side had been so influential uh, in the group stage, and uh, just wasn't wasn't present uh, against the Czech Republic. But I guess we have to give the Czech some credit on this one, Clay. I know yes, you you yes, have a vested do. interest in this <laughs> side uh, in our, our Calcutta bet and the tourney auction that we have going on there. But uh, but Schick, you know, yeah. the, the man, he just continues to score. Right well, he's yeah. I think he's Is got he? four right. He's behind. He's, Ronaldo had five before he went out, but he's the leading goal scorer for eligible teams, right? So right, teams right. that are okay, still yeah, in yeah, the tournament. Yeah. So he gets one more, uh, the, the golden boot will be his. But, uh, man, he he's played incredibly well. But that check side, again, scrappy, I think, man. I mean, that, that England group was pretty tough looking at it in exactly, hindsight, right? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. No, they, they definitely made a game out of it, obviously. I mean, the red card is the red card. But, hey, man, uh, check – I think they 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 definitely deserve being there, and then they absolutely showed up against Netherlands. Yep, I agree. And, and the Czechs, you know, they'll take on perhaps now the the tournament darling, right? So, and again, we talked about it last week on the pod. Much has been discussed about Denmark, and uh, obviously, you know, what transpired uh, on what three weeks ago now, yeah, right? I think, the, give or take. Was, uh, it the, was the opening day? Opening or the second Saturday, day? yeah, it was yeah. the second day. Yeah, uh, Christian Eriksen, just the scary, scary scene there. Obviously, you know, cardiac arrest. The guy was dead on the field for at least a minute or two before they were able to revive him. Uh, seems to be on the men now, and things are going in the right direction for that. This Denmark side, you know, an easy side to rally around because of it, and uh, and they just take it two wells uh, on Saturday, four nil. Casper uh, Dolberg, the young uh, uh, striker up top, gets his first start in the tournament, right? So a uh, little bit of a question mark there, and uh, my goodness, he came good, right? Scores two goals. Uh, Martin Braithwaite gets one in the um, added time at the end to kind of kill things off uh, to make it look a little better, but uh, four nil over Wells again. I, I I was rooting for Wells. But, yeah, I mean, Denmark, they just seem to be kind of almost a team of destiny now, Barrett. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, they are kind of, as you said, the tournament darlings, maybe a team of destiny. Which, I mean, that's only going to take them so far. But but for the knockout rounds, I mean, how, how much better can it get, right? You get Wales, who's just happy to be here. And then you get the Czechs, who, I mean, they've played well. But you got you to gotta think Denmark's the favorite there. Yep, yep. So, yep. Uh, you know... Uh, Good for them, right? They lose their their. I assume Erickson's the captain. Uh, if not, well, I th- he he was. I think it's a Simone Kiar. I think is, is the it? captain. Yeah, but yeah, Erickson, yeah. obviously, they're, they're probably their best, best and most creative are. player. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. you lose him basically for the entire tournament. Um, uh, I mean, like not just losing him to an injury, losing him. To, I mean, like you said, he died on the field, insane, and just brought him crazy. back. Um, just absolutely crazy. Of course, they lose that game to Finland, right? Yeah. Uh, after they restarted a couple hours later. Uh, I think they lose their next one as well. They did to Belgium, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, they have to win Good that final. performance, fi- though, that, I will say, against Belgium. Yeah, yeah, they did. They played well. Um, then that final group stage game, they need the three points, and they get it, and, uh, you know, advances, you know, one of those uh, third-place teams. So, uh, good for them. Uh, hope it keeps going. Uh, you mentioned Clayton's vested interest in the Czechs. I've got a uh, vested interest in Denmark here. So, uh, hoping for a little uh, – payola on a uh, semifinals appearance that's right yeah get to the final four that's when we start getting into the big money from our tournament payout here but uh you know your thoughts on denmark again wells uh, we're familiar with so many of the players clayton on that welsh side because a lot of them play in the premier league and so maybe we have a rooting interest there uh given uh, our our rooting interest or following of the epl but uh just just didn't didn't have enough did they no i mean you, you've you've seen these stars before obviously you have bale you have um uh, uh, Ramsey, Aaron Ramsey, uh, uh, Dan James from Dan Manchester James United. United. So, so I mean, there's pieces there. They just don't have a complete team. That's what I'm saying. I mean, even the pieces that they do have, I mean, all you know, harp on Dan James aren't the best. I mean, I I will say, I mean, Wales had you know every bit to kind of you know nick a goal in the first part of this game, just couldn't get anything in. But now you have to give credit for Denmark for hanging in there, and then obviously rallying behind what happened to put up four. So I mean. 
I wish I, <laughs> I wish Wales would have won that game for personal reasons, but um, you got to give credit to Denmark for accomplishing such a big feat after what happened. Yep, absolutely. Again, easy team to root for, for sure. So, uh, well, let's go to Tuesday, right? So the last day of the knockout stages and, and the two teams that won will face each other on Saturday. Uh, but uh, let's start with the biggie, boys, and let's go England 2 Germany nil, right? So we, we talked about, and so much was made about it in the media over the last few days about, you know, England's just their hoodoo against the Germans, right? So the last time they had beat them in a major tournament in a knockout game was essentially the 1966 World Cup final. Uh, I think it was uh, West Germany back then, if I'm not mistaken. But the last time that England had really won a major tournament, right? And so uh, the Germans just had just knocked them out in these uh, in these knockout rounds uh, so many times over the last 50 years, and there was just so much pent up fear probably from an English standpoint as like oh god anybody but Germany right Um, a very cagey affair the teams were very evenly matched and then you get the Raheem Sterling breakthrough in the 75th minute Harry Kane adds another one 10 minutes later 2-0 to England a an effective performance but not a dominant performance per se I mean whoever scored the first goal was probably going to win this match right Barrett yeah I agree there's it was just not a lot of action kind of the you know when you get into these you know, knockout stages of tournaments, whether it's club or country, and people just get kind of timid, right? Uh, I'd I'd rather you not score than me score, yep, and yep. and that's what this game looked Playing like. Playing not to lose, yeah. That, that's what this looked like until Jack Grealish came on the pitch, yep. and uh, that guy absolutely changed it. I don't know why he doesn't start every game. Um, he's he's just man, he's just so good and so creative and so. Uh, decisive going forward. Uh, he's just always creating. He's not selfish. He's not looking for the shot every time. He's looking for his teammates. Just a great player. Yep, he he was a game changer, as you mentioned. It seems like Southgate is content to bring him off the bench in that 60th minute, 65th minute, whatever it is, Clayton. That he's, he's, he's content with him being the super sub, but why would you not start a guy that's playing that well? It kind of reminds me of James Harden when he was on the Thunder being the sixth man of the year. I mean, that he, he kind of liked that, but I mean – I. Jack Grealish, I, I think he would rather start. But, I mean, he's he's more than happy to go out and show him that, hey, I should be starting. Look what I just did. Um, and you also got to give him some credit on kind of opening up in some space for Luke Shaw to do his thing as well in one of those goals. So, um, Raheem Sterling, surprised he didn't miss that one, but I'm surprised that didn't go over. Um, however, he almost gave it away, too. Um you know, yeah, Thomas Mueller. Thomas oh, Mueller. One on one with the keeper, just yeah. the, the worst miss. I mean, I thought that was in all day. Just he just whiffed it just wide, just scuffed it just left of the post. But no, I mean, England kind of deserved to win this one just because, you know, they had to exercise some demons and they got out and got it done. I mean, you have Harry Kane scoring it, it's a good day for England. Yeah, and that, that stat, England, the first team, and Jordan Pickford, the first keeper to keep four consecutive clean sheets to start a European. Uh, championship, so kind of a kind of a cool stat there, but I think probably speaks to the style of play that Gareth Southgate has has been um, uh, putting out there on this English side. And again, gains a lot of criticism criticism from the English media, but but Barrett, I mean, if you're winning games, you know, survive in advance. It's tournament football, right? That's all yeah. that matters, right? So you can't really bitch about it at this point. It's been effective. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they're they're in the quarters. They've they've got a good uh, chance to get to the semis, and frankly, uh, the side of the bracket they're on, they've got almost a, a you know red carpet to the final. Easiest so, path to yeah. a final since 1966. Probably, I, I yeah. don't, I, I can't recall the path in 1966, <laughs> yeah. but they got to the final and won it, right? So yeah. this has to be the easiest one since then. Yeah. So uh, you know, you, you can't argue with the results. Um, it's maybe not the most fun to watch, but man, if they lift a trophy, nobody's going to care. Yep, I agree. But let's, before we move on from this game, Clayton, I'll throw it to you here. Uh, parting thoughts on the tenure of the German manager, Yogi Love, right? So uh, a very mercurial, I mean, flat-out weird guy. I mean, Absolutely let's go ahead. Weird. I mean, he does weird shit on the sidelines, people. I mean, he's been caught uh, picking his nose and eating it and sniffing his under underarms. Like, what was the, what was the character on ate, uh, uh, Mary uh, Cal- Catherine Gallagher, uh, Saturday Night Live Superstar or whatever? Yeah, he does. He's just – he's a weird dude. But – He's had a great run as the German manager, but it's kind of fallen apart. It kind of an ugly end to a very successful tenure as the German international manager. Yeah, right? I, I think there just needs to be a refreshment of German football a little bit. I mean, they went out and they won the World Cup, you know, six years. 2014. Yeah, about yeah, seven yeah. years ago. So, I mean, 
it, it's one of those things where, I mean, it, I think he's just lacking ideas. I mean, it, it's time to get some new blood in there. I mean, he had a great run, an absolutely great run at it. But, no, it's time to get some new blood in there and some new players. Yeah, and that German side, again, another side that seems to be at one of those recyclings, yeah. right? You mentioned, it's, you know, Netherlands on the way up. Spain kind of is in that cycle as well, although they're they're, they're still in they're the, the tournament. Upswing, yeah. yeah, yeah. but I think Germans uh, in the same boat there. You, you talk about uh, uh, Mueller. You talk about uh, um, Emmanuel Neuer, right? Even yeah. though he's a yeah. goalkeeper, right. he's been there for a long time. And some of the other uh, older guard there of that German side, maybe uh, probably – Time for them to make way for a for a new generation of of German player to come through there, but uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll be fine at the World Cup. So they uh, they tend to find a way to figure it out. So I wouldn't wouldn't uh, look past them to make a good run uh, in Qatar next winter. But uh, uh, last game from a knockout standpoint, guys. So kind of an afterthought, perhaps. Um, but uh, a great uni combination here. You get the all blue and yellow here. I love it. Sweden and Ukraine. And again, probably a mild upset here, right? So we talked about Sweden. Um, they exceeded expectations in the group stage, right? They won that group that Spain was in with seven points. Um, they looked really good. Emil Forsberg was scoring goals. The Isaac kid up top looked really, really good from a striker standpoint. But uh, Ukraine, the winner here, Starts with Man City's then Jinko, right? So he gets an early goal in the 25th minute, whatever it was. Forsberg gets one back right before half, and then it's kind of a cagey affair. And then we have the latest goal scored in Euro history, uh, Dovbik in the 121st minute, right before it goes to PKs. They, they, they still PKs away from us, but I'm sure Andre Shevchenko won't mind, Willie Barrett. No, no, and um, man, that that uh, Zinchenko goal, uh, that little half volley, yeah, just hammered uh, it with that left yeah. foot. Yep, yep. Uh, great stuff there by him. I mean, that's one of those guys. Uh, you know, they've they've got him and uh, what Cancelo uh, there on the left. Yep. And uh, man, t- two absolutely world class left backs. So uh, credit. Yeah, to, Cancelo, to, he plays on both sides. He's, he's yeah, he, true. He can play on either side. Yeah. So uh, just great options there. Obviously, you know, uh, Kyle Walker there on the other side. So great fullbacks there, um, able to rotate them. Uh, uh, just one of the the many positions where City goes super deep. But, um, you know, you're right. Uh, an upset Ukraine, you don't expect them, you know, maybe get out of the group stage as a third place and kind of, you know, bow out quickly. But uh, they came to play in this one. They, they, they fought with Sweden. Um, obviously, the red card there in uh, extra time uh, probably uh, had a big part big uh part to play in that uh late winter but uh anyways great for the uh ukrainians there yeah and again i like shevchenko easy guy to root for i think but you know barrett mentioned the right did you see the replay of the red card clayton so i mean I it, oh dude it, it's it's nasty look at it's he's going for the ball so there's no intent but the boot is high and uh, he catches the uh the swedish player his name or the uh, ukrainian player his name escapes me now right on the knee hyper extends Oof. the knee very very nasty replay i can't believe that espn kept showing it they just kept showing it and showing it and showing it but a play that's kind of divided a lot of, of pundits if you will saying hey look what's the guy supposed to do he's just going for the ball but i think Whenever a ref sees that on replay, because it was initially oh, a yellow card, yeah. yeah, it was a yellow card. Then you watch that in slow mo. It's like, well, that's got to be a red. And so it, the, a VAR casualty from a red card standpoint here, but it, it looked bad. It was ugly. Yeah, anytime they go to VAR and watch something in yeah. slow mo, it always looks way worse, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But uh, and again, you know, it was one one at that point, uh, and um, perhaps that's what led to uh, that Ukraine go. But uh, your boy Victor Lindelof, I think, uh, was partly at fault. Uh, for that final goal, Clayton. So I want you to defend your boy uh, Lindelof here as to uh, what happened on that final goal. I'm not defending it. There's no way. There's <laughs> a great, great ball in by hey, Zinchenko, hey, he too. Yeah. your team as well. It's uh, not my boy. I mean, hey, I, everybody, I everybody's tired at 121 minutes, in. but, uh, yeah, it goes right over the top of, uh, of Lindelof, right in between defenders. I mean, that's and a great header. Though. Great header by Dolph Big, though. So yeah. just in that moment was really cool. Oh, too. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Ukraine again. Give them credit, right? So they uh, they they've gotten further than everyone thought they would. I think is a fair way to probably assess and, them. So maybe are they are they that just happy to be here, or are they playing loose now, Barrett? And are they a dangerous side yeah, for the English side now? Yeah, they've got nothing to lose, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I, and I do have to say, if you ask anyone in Ukraine, 
they're just happy they made it further than Russia. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and this Ukrainian side, too, like I, I've watched most of their games, they've gotten better with each game, too. Yeah. So they started off slow, kind of started off ugly, but they've gotten a little better each game, which, you know, let, let's go to the quarterfinals now. Talk, talk about those matches and some odds here, and let's start with Ukraine versus England, right? So this will be the last game on Saturday, but England, the big favorite here from all the four, all four matches that will take place on Friday and Saturday, England minus 240, Ukraine plus 7. 700 here. Uh, so the expectations are that England will win and win convincingly. But, you know, Clayton, I'll start with you. I'll mix it up. This would be the most English thing of all time if they finally exercise the uh, the German demons and get past them in a knockout stage and then turn around and slip on the light blue and yellow banana peel that is this Ukrainian side, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see them pissing, pissing this away somehow. Somehow, some way, they would piss it away. Um, I mean, granted, you know, England hasn't conceded yet. So, I mean, you had to give them somewhat of an advantage there. But, hey, man, Ukraine kind of stuck around in that game and was able to win it. So, I mean, they have every opportunity to go go out at England. Like you said, they have nothing to lose. Um, I, I don't think England will try to drop back. I think they'll probably try to end this game pretty early. That's just my perspective. Um, but no, it, it should be pretty interesting as far as how England will line up if they're going to do a more defensive minded, um, shape or more attacking shape. It, either way, I think Jack Grealish needs to start. Yeah. Yeah. Barrett, I'll throw it to you. Is this because they are such a heavy favorite here? Is this the one game to where maybe South Southgate breaks type and says, we're going to go for it. We're going to put out a very attacking offensive lineup. We're going to try to put this thing away early, knowing that the longer you let the Ukrainians hang around, the more everyone's butthole is going to pucker up, right? Um, I hear what you're saying. I don't think he will. Okay. I think he's going to okay. stick to his game plan. I, I think he's stubborn enough. Uh, he doesn't care what anybody says. Um, he's going to do what he wants to do. Uh, he's gonna, he wants to win the way he wants to win. So I think the, I think the game plan stays the same. Um, I, I do think, um, that the clean sheet streak ends. Uh, I think Ukraine get on the board. Uh, but I don't think it's, I don't think the game's really going to be in doubt. I I think it'll be, uh, probably three, one, uh, England with a late Ukrainian goal. Okay. Three, one to England. Clayton, I'll get your pick here. Uh, any way uh, that, or that, uh, English fuck this up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll, I'll give England two, one. But I one. think I think it'll go into extra time and England will get that one in extra wow. time. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, a little little nervy then. So uh, I'll go England two 0 So I I do think that they're playing well and and uh, maybe I'm I have a vested interest in them outside of our rooting interest as well from a financial standpoint. So uh, maybe that's a that, that's blinding my uh, a view here. But uh, I think they're playing really really well right now and and hopefully getting past the Germans will be lifting a weight off their shoulders and maybe they can play a little more freely. But I, I'm kind of with you, Barrett. I don't think it's a free-for-all i don't think it's going to be a all-out attack sexy football i think the style is going to be the style but uh, they've been you know effective at being able to find at least one go and if they get one i think they'll get two so i'll go two nil england over ukraine but uh, let's let's go back to tomorrow boys let's start at the early game here switzerland versus spain again spain the favorite here minus 150 switzerland big underdog here plus 450 this one will be in saint petersburg russia uh, Barrett, I'll start with you. Uh, can the Swiss do it again? Uh, I, I think they. I, th- I think it's going to be a tight game. Um, I think they've got a great shot. I, I think they'll go to extra time again. Um, but I think Spain probably gets that extra time goal to win 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one to the Spanish side. Clayton, your thoughts on this one. What are you looking forward to tomorrow at lunchtime, Switzerland versus Spain? Um, I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking Spain are going to win this comfortably, to be honest with you. I think um, they did get a little lucky against France, even though they had to come back in that game. I think Spain will kind of turn it on um, and put two past them. So I'm going 2-0 for Spain. 2 nothing to Spain. Okay, I-, I think Switzerland will play well, right? So again, maybe they're a little bit of a, hey, look, we've gotten further than everybody thought we would, so we're going to play a little loose here. Uh, but uh, I'm not quite the goal bonanza that we saw uh, with uh, with Spain on Monday here. So I'll, I'll go Spain gets through 1-0 here. I think this will be somewhat of a cagey affair. I think the uh, Swiss will dig in, defend, 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 and try to keep it close until the uh, latter stages. But I like Spain to get past them here in the 90 minutes, 1-0. Uh, but let's go to the biggie uh, from a 
ranking and from a side standpoint, boys. This will be the later game, 2 o'clock Oklahoma time on Friday afternoon. Belgium versus Italy, right? We talked about Belgium's injury woes. We talked about the Italians flopping and maybe reverting back to type in the knockout stages here. But, uh, Barrett, I'll start with you. Italy a favorite in this one, right? So maybe somewhat surprising, but perhaps Vegas factoring in the the injuries that uh, that the Belgium side have here. Italy plus 135, Belgium plus 230. You can bet for a draw over the 90 minutes at plus 200 as well. Who you got in this one? This one will be in Munich, Germany. Um, well, I'm, I'm going with my heart here. I'm picking Belgium to win. Um, you're right. Italy is going to sit back and just absorb. Belgium's going to have all the ball. Um you know, Italy or look for those counterattacking opportunities. I think it's going to be an ugly one. I think Belgium gets, uh, it's going to play out pretty, I don't want to say too similar to the last one. I think Belgium get another 1-0 win, but it's going to look totally different than the one against Portugal. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So 1-0 uh, to the Belgian Red Devils. Clayton, your thoughts on this one. So again, it seems to be a relatively uh, evenly matched uh, uh, side here, right? Yeah, I, I think it should be. I mean, I think Italy, I think they're going to hold majority of the possession just given the nature of, um, you know, the injury injuries to Belgium at the moment, uh, depending on when if they're going to play or not to be determined. But I'll give Italy the advantage there, and they've been playing the more attractive football as far as being able to kind of run it up on teams, even though I know their group stage wasn't the best. Yeah, we'll, we'll say that. But, I mean, they we've been able to score goals and not concede as many. So, um I have Italy in this one, but I think it'll be a tight one. I think Belgium do get the first goal, but I think Italy come back and score two more. So wow. give me Italy, 2-1. Two, 2-1, one. Two, one. all right. So I am I think this one is headed for extra time and PKs, boys. So I, I'm mm-hmm. going to pick a 1-1 one, one final, um, and, and that will be in regulation. I don't think anybody scores in extra time. I think they'll start to set up shop and uh, get really cagey there. And uh, I'll go with the Belgium side to advance here 4-3 on PKs. It's going to be interesting. It gets to PKs because you got – Two big, athletic, rangy goalkeepers in this one in Thibaut Courtois uh, and uh, Donnarumma for the Italians. So guys that can actually make a save whenever they need to uh, and guys that are actually pretty good PK stoppers as well from a, a record standpoint. But uh, I, I think this one goes to PKs, and I'll, I'll give a slight edge to Belgium. Um, again, this is, their, this is their window, right? They have to advance. They have to get this one. Uh, so I think they'll they'll find a way to get over the Italians here. But this one, this will be fun to watch. I don't think there's going to be a ton of goals here. Somewhat cagey affair, but uh, very intense. I think uh, that will be for sure. Both these sides know what's on the line here. But um, let's go to last game on the schedule here, boys. This is the early one Saturday, so the 11 a.m. Saturday. Uh, Clayton's Czech Republic versus Barrett's. Danish side, um, Denmark. Uh, Barrett, I'll start with you here. Give you the chance to, uh, to 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 talk up your Danish side here. Denmark, the favorite, plus one hundred five. The checks at plus two ninety. Again, a draw over the ninety minutes would be plus two hundred here. Uh, can the Danes keep this magical run going, bud? Um, yeah, I think they do. Uh, but this one's good. I think this will be the most entertaining match um, of the uh, quarterfinals. I see both of these teams going out and attacking, um, trying to score. Uh, I've got it 2-2 after regulation, um, and then Denmark getting the winner in extra time. Nice. I like that. I like that. Five goals all together. I like this. So, Clayton, you see it as well, kind of an open, free-flowing I, I, football uh, ex- exhibition here? I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, I agree with Barrett's assessment on there, but I, I disagree with Barrett's outcome. Um, I think Czech will bring it home, or not bring it home, but at least win this game. Um, I think the fairy dust dies today. No pun intended uh, with Denmark, but um, yeah, I mean, I think the Czech will go out and uh, Czech will go out and actually, you know, make this a game. So I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, how are they going to line up? Patrick Schick's probably going to have a goal. Um, I think it'll be more contested than what we originally planned, but I think Czech Republic get out of here two one. Uh, that's a that's a score line I have as well. I'm going to go two one uh, again. I think a lot of Betting attention is on Denmark, and understandably so, because they are kind of the tournament darlings right now for all the reasons that we've previously mentioned. Uh, but I think the Czechs are playing good football right now, man. So uh, you mentioned Patrick Schick up top, but they've been uh, steady at the back. Uh, they, they've got a good midfield engine as well. And so I, I think the Czechs may be underrated a little bit here. I think they find a way to advance to the semi, set up a rematch 
with England in the semifinal as well back at Wembley. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I got the Czechs winning this one 2-1 over Denmark. Again, great story, but I think it ends here in the quarterfinals in Baku, Azerbaijan. So, well, those are the picks, boys. So, uh, now again, we'll have the quarterfinals and the semifinals before we're, we're doing the podcast next Thursday, right? Kind of recapping what we saw in the semis and then previewing the finals as well. But uh, give me your your finals pick as of right now. Um, I'm going England and Belgium. England-Belgium final. Okay, and so let me give you some odds on that, Barrett. I think we can get odds from a final. So England and Belgium right now, the third favorite from a final pairing, that's plus 430. So I like that. I like that. England, obviously the favorite on most of these. Clayton, I'll go 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 with you here, bud. So who do you see in the final? Um, I say England and Italy. Uh, okay, second be, favorite. Yeah. yeah, England, Italy is plus three twenty. Surprisingly, perhaps to most, I mean, to, certainly to me, England and Spain, uh, the favorite from a betting final standpoint right now, at plus two ninety. That would be a fun matchup as well. But uh, England, obviously, the clear pick on that other side of the bracket. Uh, they're in all three of the favorite matchups here. I'm with um, Barrett. I think you know. Again, I've got a vested interest in it being this way as well. But I think if Belgium, if they can get back Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne, and their injuries aren't uh, really bad. Uh, I think it's going to be an England Belgium final in Wembley, uh, and I won't. I won't ask you guys to pick a winner. We'll do another pod before we get to that point. So, so yeah, roughly three to one, four to one. So from a betting standpoint, so get out there, take advantage of that, uh, place your bets accordingly, ladies and gentlemen. So we're up against the hour mark here, boys. So we're going to wrap it up. But uh, plugs, Barrett, uh, throw it out there, bud. How can we get at you on Twitter, Instagram, all the handles, man? Let's hear it. Uh, just the tweeter at Hartman underscore LFC. All right, good stuff. We can, uh, you can, you guys can uh, uh, talk about Rafa Benitez and his move across town to Everton as well. So I'm sure there'll be lots of opinions on that, right? We'll we'll, we'll take bets on what he names his next dog. Fair enough. I like that. Clayton, how about you, bud? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, throw them out there. The Twitters and the Instagrams at McCluskey101. Yeah, uh, hit me up, hit us up. Let's talk some footy. That's right, that's right. So, and uh, for us here at the Sports Pros Network, you can check us out on the web at fantasysportspros.com, and then of course on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that is pros with an E. And also remember, get out to chalk, right? So whether that be tweeting at us, following us, uh, subscribing to the podcast, tweeting pics of you, at chalk will get your name in the hopper for the drawing for the Big Green Egg giveaway during halftime of the final on Sunday, July 11th, courtesy of our friends at Chalk in Chihuahua Cervezas. Uh, Can't wait for that, boys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, we're not doing a pod at Chalk this weekend, but we're going to have various Yankee wankers and friends of the pod that's going to be at Chalk tomorrow afternoon watching the matches and also Saturday afternoon watching the English match as well, right? So no podcast, but come say hi to us, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't make it tomorrow, but I'll be out there Saturday. So stop by and uh, you can buy us a Chihuahua. There you go. Absolutely. So with a lime. So right, Clayton, yeah, what about you? So what are you doing this weekend? Chihuahua's Fourth of July? Yeah, I'll be. I'll, I should be out there tomorrow. Okay. Uh, not Saturday. I'll be heading back to the old Claremore, Oklahoma okay. residence. But um, yeah, hit us up. See, come see us over uh, there tomorrow. So. Yeah, we we were, we're easily findable. We will be making a lot a lot of noise and be at one of the prime tables in front of the big screen. So me and Clayton tomorrow Friday afternoon. Me and Barrett Saturday afternoon for the England game. So come out and see us there. And uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, I think we'll sign off. Enjoy the matches this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Cheers. <laughs>